the Podjectivity Network. Two, two, two. Do I need to lean in like this? Two. Hello. You want to be close. Any Which day one now. Am I must be number one. Two. Two. No, I'm not. I'm two. You're two. Chuck Norris. You're one. I'm Nath, baby. Okay. I need to be turned up as you guys are fucking loud. We are resonant to say the least. Okay, let's see our lines. Oh, that's better. Look at those. Oh, Jesus. Look at the Adams. Get your Woo. Get your waves under control, Adams. You can't see the lines, can you, Russ? Oh my God. <laughs> um, no, Dad. So Okay, we got the lines. Who came, when you guys were listening the very first time, if you remember, who came through the loudest? Was Not you. Well, I think I do. I come through because I'm like this. I was right on it. Because okay. I've heard other. I've heard that other pod. You got to get up on the mic, you know. Otherwise, you sound like you're off in the room somewhere. Right. Okay. That's you, just a. Didn't last time and you came through just fine. Yeah, I gotta. What I've got to do is turn away from the mic when I laugh. Mm. God, I sound like a wheezing, <laughs> just you know, like a wheezing asthmatic eighty-year-old dude. I do. Okay, let yeah. me th- see if I can remember what I was gonna say. So, um, so you have different aspects of your personality. All of us do, and there's this meditation. It's called Big Mind. I'm gonna talk about meditation a lot, probably because. I just am. So you've got like the part of you that's a victim and the part of you that's a martyr and the part of you that's hungry for knowledge and the part of you that's um, enlightened and the part of you that is ambitious. So you've got like all these different parts and some people when they get hurt and wounded, they get stuck in the martyr victim the victim is the one that takes all the pain. And so it houses the pain for you. None of the other parts have to deal with pain because the victim holds it all. So it serves a really good purpose. But the martyr lifts the victim up and is like, this is me all the time. Not only am I getting shit on here, I'm getting shit on at work. Oh and I'm getting God. shit on from this and that and that. And it's like that part just like takes over. And then they see the world that way. So that's what therapy does. It's like it helps volume that down. Dude. Yeah. So a therapist helps you get in, uh, reconnect Here, to I'm, the with a caveat, other parts there of yourself. There are so many shitty therapists out there, you guys. So many shitty Kind of like coaches, right? Like most oh coaches kind of Or teachers. Suck, or, or, yeah, I mean, yeah. teachers are usually very good, but... So if you get with the wrong therapist, you could spend years getting nowhere. The stuff that has been really moving a lot of shit is the stuff that deals with the subconscious. So for me, there's a therapy called EMDR therapy, and it deals with eye movement. And um, you kind of trace emotions through your body. Whatever comes up, you don't judge it. You get really weird images and feelings, and sometimes it's really uncomfortable. But basically what it's doing is it's taking all those wounds, and it's just unwinding them all so that all that stored energy of, like, being held in victim is, like, released, and then you can use it for other things. And you do this with a person? 
Uh, you do it with a therapist. You people see you see someone for this. I go to weekly therapy. Okay. I've been doing it for like a year and a half, and the reason why I do it is because it fucking works. And you guys can tell I'm in a pretty good place right now. I was not in this place two years ago. It really, really helps to have all of that stored stuff of stuff you're holding on to. You can't live in the present if you're living in the past. You can't. Sounds like you had some experiences with some subpar therapists, though. So that I have prior to that, so that when this began, you just knew. I didn't yeah. know, but I liked her, and I knew I needed something. I didn't know I was unhappy, but I knew I needed something. So through like this process and then at the same time being around people who were present and who were supportive and who were like, oh, you're actually really wonderful. When you start to see yourself clearly and then you can sort of take off the wounded goggles of, oh, my parents never did this or that or then it becomes the wisdom that you gained from living those experiences. It's not something that happened to you. It is something that has made you into who you are. And so... It doesn't feel like such a weight. It's not a weight if, it, if you allow it to be the wisdom. But I would argue it's really tough to get there unless you start dealing with a subconscious mind. Or another alternative is the physical body. So like body-mind therapy and stuff like that. Mm. Get, sitting in a room and talking with a therapist is fine for like transitions. But I think doing that kind of stuff, if something's really wedged in there is the way to go. Is it fair to say that just what I think? So you've experienced this. Is it fair to say that I come back to your email signature a lot, the courage to grow up and become who you really are. Mm -hmm. Does this, this unwinding and all, I mean, maybe it's redundant, but I'm guessing that takes some courage. You have to look at yourself. You have you, to take off all your filters, your rose-colored glasses. You do. You look at yourself as you really are. Mm -hmm. Own various things. Yeah. Before you can. Yes. There's also a stripping away of, for instance, Catholicism mm. and things that you might have been taught were right or wrong that maybe you disagree with, but you never really let go of the... Um, judgment so mm. you're gonna see things about you're gonna see things about yourself that you're not pleased about but again I, I sent this to you guys in an email too it's sort of a process of tolerating your own bullshit it's like just accepting the fact that you're a human mess as everyone else is and you just keep backing up the the courage working at it the You're courage like, part is having the courage to look at yourself unfiltered and feel really uncomfortable feelings a lot of times shame is probably one of the most uncomfortable feelings and we have a lot of it because we were raised mm. catholic through him with him <laughs> in him in him and literally saying like i'm a sinner like isn't that in the prayers mm-hmm uh, yeah, the, the whole I'm notion. not worthy to receive him. That those exact. I'm not Lord, worthy. You say I am it. not worthy to receive you. Yeah, but, but only say, say the word. Yeah, and I shall. And be you're healed. like placing your power right in, right into his hands or his. Yeah, for and women, it's like got to be particularly 
uh, infuriating sort of too to reflect on that you're always asking some invisible man to, you know, forgive you and you know it's not yeah. it's not great yeah super patriarchal and mm-hmm. not a good model i'm working through some of that shit right now it it is so ingrained in there because that's just your form when you're in the world you're not like hmm I wonder if this religion is right for me. You just do it. You know, when you're five or six, you ju- it just absorbs into you. You're not given a choice either. It's not like your parents give you a menu. Would you like to try some Buddhism this Sunday? <laughs> well, now yeah. they do. Well, maybe now, but yeah, not in Everly back in 83. Right. It was, but uh, it, I do. Th- you d- did your parents? You look like you had something no, to say. No, I was going to sing. Oh. Go ahead. What well, is it gospel? Give it They'll you. take you as soon as you're warm <laughs> because I'm a Roman Catholic. Every sperm is saved. What is that from? Monty Python. That's the uh, meaning of life. Oh. Yeah. And the one thing they say about Catholics <laughs> is that. Did you guys take like my gift? My uh, picture today? Bill Murray. Bill Murray. You Fantastic. don't need to be a six footer. Kingpin. Yeah. You don't need to have a I just a heard Woody Harrelson uh, interviewed on WTF. <gasps> he talked about that. I uh, love Woody Harrelson. And yeah, apparently, like, that was a case where the movie got edited so much from what was, you know, filmed that he thought he walked away kind of bitter. And then years later, like, one of his kids brought it back to him and was like, this is fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to be like, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, oh you know, my God. So that was the hard edited version? I guess so. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Wow. You had to throw off the bonds of Catholicism. I'm still working on it. And we got, we sang and got in your way there. What? No, I don't oh. remember what else I was going to say. Oh, well, here's a question for you then. It's pretty easy to point to the things about our Catholic upbringing that we have to work on distancing ourselves from and evolving past. But what are some things that you maybe maintain or that you value? Are there trying things? to be positive? Are we? Yeesh. I don't know. Is it is that possible? Here, if there's nothing there, then don't. Here, you go no, and tell here, me here's what there. I've heard you say. You at go least. first. I can start with that. That it's nice to have some bound moral bound moral boundaries for your children, so that. They're not just all willy nilly, like <laughs> octopuses, octopi, octopus, octopus. Yeah, little just naked spiritual cannibal. octopi in the world trying to like grasp onto what's right and what's wrong. So having that where it's a little less work for you as a parent, that sounds really nice. We don't do that generally, but I, I think eventually we're gonna have to. I think the eh, I'm not sure how I feel about the Ten Commandments. I'd have to review them. Can you name them? Don't fuck your neighbor's wife. I. <laughs> Good one. Don't kill He's anybody. <laughs> I am the Lord thy God. <laughs> okay. Number one. Thou shalt not bring false gods before me. And there's various interpretations of that. What Jealous. do you think it means? Jealous My God. Lutheran friend. Well, you shall not worship, worship other gods besides number one. But my Lutheran friends told me that that branched over... One day at lunch, they told me that uh, Catholics break the first commandment <laughs> every day, all day, 24-7. Why? 
Pope? The graven images. Oh. In other faiths, what? The what images? Image, What's a graven replicas image? Replicas of God, replicas of Jesus, statues of Virgin Mary. Well, you can't look at a statue. According, that's a big Catholic thing, especially the Virgin Mary. Like none of the other Christian faiths really get that bonkers about uh, dig that Mary Virgin. <laughs> and so they they just told me that's you're breaking the first commandment by having all this idol idolatry around. And I was just like, not buying that. I didn't get the right change. Nah. So anyway, that was that's number one. Okay, number one. Thou shalt not. Only me. Only me. Yep. Nobody Don't else. Don't covet your neighbor's shit. Correct. Okay. You can't uh, Google it. It has to be off the top of your oh, head. Well, his wife among come on, the, this among is those. A test. I think I think coveting the wife is even a separate. That is a separate thing. stuff. Wife. She, wife. Don't kill your mom and dad. Don't Thou kill. shalt not Oh, no, kill. those are two separate ones. Yeah, honor your Honor thy father and thy mother. <laughs> don't kill your mom and, and dad. Don't kill anybody. That's number Adam's. three. Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> what is that? Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. What do you think that means? That means you don't lie and don't you don't people throw your neighbor under the bus. Okay. For What's that, five or six? Which might That might touch on things like don't gossip. For sure. That might touch on like... Don't run your mouth about. Why do you think that's but a false commandment? witness? False witness. I mean, is it our right to bear? Okay. Uh, honest. Witness? Other ones are obvious. That one I don't get. For, uh, for like a commandment. At some point, when we get to look at all the rest of them, <laughs> I've I've done a fair amount of thinking about this, and I've heard. Guess what? I've heard some pod about it. Hmm. Um. The question of why why is that one a commandment? If you take away all the, you know, Catholic trappings of our youth and whatnot and just where this stuff came from, it was just stuff people figured out over really, 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 really long eons of generations of time and stuff that people, the Ten Commandments, I guess, are the, like the executive summary of what everybody learned over time. Hmm. Uh and that's, I could say more about that, but uh, but that is, if I'm interpreting that right, you do avoid a lot of problems if you just don't talk about other people. And, if, and it's like, oh my God, don't lie. Like, obviously, obviously. What's, what's the that phrasing of the commandment so again? Don't talk. Bear, thou shalt bear, not bear false witness bear false against witnesses. thy neighbor. All right, look them up now. Time I want to look. see the rest. Maybe it, maybe it relates to to judgment and this whole idea that we were, that's one of the issues that I have when I reflect back, like, you know, God is the judge. Right. Don't cast stones. You know, uh, this whole idea of not passing judgment when, you know, our survival depends on making all kinds of judgments. I mean, having good judgment is important and it's something that you should exercise. So this whole idea of it being this extreme thing of like, you know, just leave that all up to God. And don't right. think for yourself, because if you pray, he will guide you or whatever. You'll get some kind of message. Yeah. And you don't have to actually work through things yourself, or you don't have to. I can't Terrible wait. message. I can't Awful. wait for you guys to listen to my mom and her sisters, if can't you wait. can handle it. I, it's a lot of, again. We listen to your stuff. Holmes. Girl talk. But um, they told me that they would. So I knew they were really religious. I knew that. But Catholic. 
mm-hmm. church every day, Catholic school. And then church every day. Yeah. Oh, Yeesh. God. They would kneel with their arms out like this, like penance on like special occasions, special praying occasions. <laughs> and they'd be like embarrassed. When this people, is your mom and her sister. Yeah. And brothers. So you're striking the crucified Jesus pose on yeah, your knees. On your knees while you do the rosaries or whatever it is. And so I'm like, well, uh, yikes. Uh, how did, you know, what was your response to that? How did you feel about that? And they were like, well, we were really embarrassed when our friends came over. Mm. We told them not to come at that time. Totally like how a kid would think, oh, God, this is embarrassing, you know, but never, wow, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? And so later, um, when my mom was about to get married, of course she was a virgin before she got married. Um, That's hot. <laughs> right. Um, so she was uh, talking with the priest about birth control. And the priest was like... She was teaching him about birth control? <laughs> no, she was like, what do I do? I don't, I don't want to get pregnant, but I know it's against the church. Tell me what to do. And the priest is like, it's really up to you. And she was so livid. She's like, I've spent 29 fucking years doing what the church told me to do. And now you're telling me I have some kind of authority over my life. Are you fucking kidding me? She was furious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it kind of changed a little bit. Her course corrected. But basically, that was it. Growing up with every every step of the way, you were told what to do and what not to do. Yeah, part of the reason why you don't question. True. I yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, or whatever. Yeah, I'm. You relate. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, I. Say I. <laughs> well. Oh, I. Part of the A- reason why. A-Y-E. I didn't right. question it for quite a while is because, you know, it's Did so I? tied up in. Uh, you know, you it, it has to do with how the priest gets unconditional respect in the community, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is, there's just something, un, you know, he's beyond reproach. And the, and the church represents the path to being, to being a good person. You know, so if you want to be a good person, be devout and, you know, suppress your doubts. And walk the the path of the Jesus, of the Jesus, of the Jesus, and so, you know, who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't desire to like be respected by your community and yeah. be considered a good kid, be a good person, you know? So that uh, it that makes it difficult to voice whatever doubts you may, you know, harbor secretly. Well, they, yeah, because it seems like they represent God. Blasphemy. Yeah. Treason. You know, it'd be like a betrayal of all the values that everybody kind of holds dear around you, you know, so. And and, and it got so, I remember it was such a compulsive thing for me. Like, I w- church made me paranoid a little bit about sin, you know. A little bit? Well, yeah. That's it? No, a lot. Oh, my God. To the point that when I catch in my internal monologue like some thought that wasn't pure or holy, 
I would have to say to myself, repeat the phrase, Jesus, Lord, please forgive me. Jesus, Lord, please Get. forgive me. Yeah. Jesus, Lord, please forgive me. Really? Wow. You know. Because wow, what was the fear? That you would burn in hell? I just... Do you remember? I, that was my no. fear. Well, Eternal fire. No, it wasn't. I think it was Eternal. just this idea that you've got to be vigilant. Oh. And you've always got to check in and do confession. And then the the whole compulsive nature of saying the Hail Mary five times afterwards or whatever. Yeah. Well, right. no wonder I developed some other compulsive habits. <laughs> you know, right? Why are we all OCD? <laughs> Why? One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really? You had, to, you had a, a monologue, a dialogue with yourself? Yeah, and I had the most two. elaborate fucking prayers at night. Where I'd, you know, I'd do the the standard prayers, but then I'd just, I had my own kind of, <laughs> you know, material where I would just like bless everything and everybody. I had to run through this list where I felt like, you know, because you're believing in the power of prayer, you're being told that, you know, better not miss anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do so. your do your moms tell you to pray still? No, not my, my mom's always telling me to pray like. Whatever challenges I might have, uh, or with the kids and what have you, like uh, I tell I tell my mom stories about my teenagers, kind of like the Ten Commandments. I think we're all pretty familiar with teenagers and like that they they don't always do what you want and they make a lot of mistakes and stuff. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and my yeah. mom comes at it from like a, well, did you tell them not to? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> like all the time, I tell them every day, 20, 20 times a day. You set a line, then they cross it. That's and being you, a teenager. Do you remember any of this? But uh, the point is, I get a lot of like, well, you just got to keep praying for them, you know, mm. or or if they're ha- or if like somebody, whatever, if somebody's sick or if somebody uh, is having a bad, a specific bad time. So do you do it? No. And you think well, it's garbage? Or? I think posi- I think positively, I put my horsepower towards outcomes that i want if that's i think maybe that's praying if that's praying then yeah i'm praying the all power the of intention is is the same it's called something different it's the same exercise with different words i mean you're you're trying to you're trying to control you know some uncertain future scenario by you know going through this ritual of you know kind of I don't know. Uh, prayer is just less specific, but the general idea when you say it is like that was that was a weird thing. You're not supposed to necessarily like ask God for things. Mm-hmm. What uh, you're you're mainly just well, Oops. you're supposed to praise Him, <laughs> right? Like that's the main thing you're supposed to do is just give thanks for everything that you've got. You unworthy sinner. Mm. Yeah, and it's a fine line to go asking for stuff. Yeah, so then. You feel, really? but you say, "Hear our prayer." You say, "Lord, hear our prayer." Oh my God! Okay, I'm so far removed from this. But it's so weird to be like, like you don't say, "God, I want a new bike." Or, <laughs> All right, like, set the lines here. Like you don't do that. You I'm don't gonna... ask God in your prayers for stuff. Okay. Uh, so how would you pray? My child is sick. Lord, please heal my child. Like it's gotta gotta be. Oh, something. It's better be good. I am praying wrong. I am just praying all wrong. How how this would how you we guys pray if if you were praying now? How would you do it? Oh, I think to give me strength, give me mercy. You know these 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 terms still relate very much. Yeah. You know, just through the time that I'm going through right now. You know, there's plenty of uncertainty about you know uh, starting my life over 
in uh, a sense. Do you know who you're praying to or is it just to who's ever listening? No, I don't believe that there's, you know, some kind of disembodied consciousness in the... He's praying to Dan. In space. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much directing it to Dan. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got two thumbs. Squire, hear my prayer. Uh, that raises a good question. Uh, I, I don't... I think I already covered, you know, I don't pray now. I put problems in context. I try to think of how I hope they resolve, and then I set to work on helping that happen with kids uh, and myself, I suppose. So you would say... But mostly with kids. I, I control my life Your action well. is a prayer? I said earlier. Action can be prayer? Um, intention and action? Yeah. You said intention. You're saying what I do is my prayer because I'm I would, making it happen. If you want to put me in a box... I yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> that you... Yeah. What, what do you want to make happen? Make it happen. Action toward that end is... I guess the embodiment of uh, prayer. There I have, was a, I have something to say. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you want to go first? It's quick. Yeah. Quoting a meme sounds kind of lame. If that's what they call the end of the pictures in the internet with the with the caption underneath it. Mm-hmm. I think those are memes. Okay. Uh, I'm not old. Yeah, you are. That's a, that's a meme. <laughs> I'm not old. You are. But it was a a truck, an empty semi trailer, that was bound f- for relief. You know to send supplies to some area that had been ravaged by a hurricane or something. And the, it was empty. And it was like, here's a semi full of thoughts and prayers for these people. Oh, You know, so it speaks, I think, to the point that Dan was making that put your actions where your intentions are. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of the equivalent to putting your money where your mouth is spiritually. Do something with it. been suggested to me is you and this also I think for me it makes sense for me in terms of that physics principle where once you observe something it changes you guys know what I'm talking about no you know what I'm talking about I don't does this face look like I know what you're talking about I am not I am not going to be able to explain this well right now okay but essentially, waves and particles act a certain way, but they have found if they're observed, that changes how they act. Hmm. Just the mere act of observing them hmm. changes it. So for me, and I got that from first from the elegant universe, and then I think that one Joe Rogan interview touched on it possibly a little bit. Maybe, or maybe I was just making the association in my mind. Essentially, I think human observation and attention is like a superpower. And so the idea of gratitude, the only prayers that you should be doing at all is what you are currently grateful for or what you will be grateful for in the future. Assuming that time doesn't exist, it's just a construct of the human consciousness, let's just say so you already have everything that you've asked for and the way that it comes to fruition 
is you observe that you have everything. So you observe your gratitude and that pulls it to you. That's kind of a, is that another way of the themes we talk about a lot? Mindfulness, being present. I don't know. Is that in order to notice all the great stuff you have? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just, that's another way or another angle of the whole being present thing. Well, but I mean, Be present enough to know that you should be grateful for all of this. Yes. And how good it all is right now. The more you focus on the wonders that are already present, the more they tend to amplify. That's true. I will say sometimes if there's a nugget of resistance or like a block that you have and you're like, oh, I'm so grateful for all my money. And you're Mm. like, but why am I always broke? Usually it's something in the subconscious mind that's blocking you like some little nugget that that was like, oh, my family never has enough money or my dad always gambles. And so I don't want to have money in my life because that, you know, that doesn't feel good. So it's like something resting in there. So if you're you're putting out gratitude and you're not seeing results, it's usually because there's some oh, hitch okay. from your. Because hmm. <laughs> it should work. It does work. So if it's not. I mean, even Oprah, like 20 years ago, was like, keep a gratitude journal, people. This shit works. But the question I have is like the extent to which it works. It's not the kind of thing that you can necessarily measure. And we live in a time where results are measured down to the decimal. That's true. I think it's just experimentation to see if if it works for you. Like, how do you feel better if you write 10 things down every day that you're really grateful for? Do you see more good things coming to you? Because you're spending more time thinking about good things. You know what I mean? Well, part of the problem that I have with that line of thinking is I think it might suggest to people that they have more influence than they actually do. Like there's so many other factors at play in terms of, you know, what happens to you or what doesn't. For instance, like I'm putting a lot of applications out to try and get jobs right now. And I can wish my ass off that somebody offers me this Mm. position that I'm applying for. Yeah. But my intentions don't mean shit if the person on the other end of that thinks someone else is more qualified. That's Mm. that's on them. And I'm powerless. Ah, I see. (laughs) You know? Mm Mm-hmm. So I think it's not like I want to keep a powerlessness journal. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know... Here's how other people could fuck me at any moment... Or screw me over. Yeah. Here's how it could potentially happen. I'm just gonna write all down, write down all the ways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try and I try and keep a balanced view of like, all right, I want to be empowered. I want obviously to to have a positive attitude, be present, all of these things. But I only have so much fucking control over myself, over everything that's going on around me. Over how my children will behave at school. This sounds like over. a sports thing to me. I, 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 sports relate. Yeah, sure. I, I was tripping over myself there to say, <laughs> know, like, are that. we? When you're trying to get a job, for example, uh, depending on how qualified you are, the the description was written for you, or you have no shot, and you just want to talk your way into it. Uh, the ability to interview well, to make a good first impression, all these things. You, I was going to say sports too. And I was going to try to throw it in there like, 
a lot of my religion might be sports. Religion, a lot of religion is like how to deal with misfortune and when things don't go your way. And you're talking about getting a job and there's only so much you can control. Be a good That's sport. Sports. A, be a good sport when the ball doesn't bounce your way. Because even the, no matter how hard you prepared and no matter how well you game planned and all that stuff, sometimes you just get beat. Sometimes the other team's just better. And sometimes it just bounces wrong. And the champion. And to, you got to be able to accept that. And the champion, like Jordan, remember that, I hate to quote a Nike commercial, but it was towards the end of his career when he was like, I've missed 6,424 oh, yeah. shots uh, in my life. Great yeah. Commercial. But, you know, the reason that I'm a legendary badass is because, because I've essentially missed all of those shots and I've always been willing yeah. to make the attempt and and step up to that moment. I think Brett Favre yeah. threw the most interceptions of anyone in the history of football. <laughs> right. That sounds right. But he's, he's, but he's a, a Hall baller. Of Famer. That's because he's, he's a baller. He's a Hall he's of Famer. always going for it. And if it doesn't work out, <laughs> we'll try it again. We'll just try it again. Yeah. We can't all be Brett Favre and Michael Jordan, certainly, but, you know, that example is, you know, it's, it's inspirational to a degree. Boy. I don't know if you meant to do that, but... Uh, Mom, if you're listening, sports uh, very important to me to my be to my makeup, and had a strange hand in hand relationship, you know, because like when the Packers are behind, you gotta pray that they come back <laughs> and they win, you know. Like, I have never. I was for in. The I've been in. Oh, rooms there. What do you, what do you call the Packers? What do you call a pass at the end of a game, Dan? That's just a long shot, a bomb into the end zone. The bomb. No, come on, man. What do you call it? The Hail, Hail Mary. Mary. It's a Hail Mary. So, of course, there's religion religion mixed up in sports. And sure. Vince Lombardi was, you know, he is the patron saint of, of mm. football, not just here, but, I mean, the, the trophy that you win after you... St. Vince. After you win the whole, the Super Bowl, is the Lombardi trophy. Oh. And he was super devout. And He I, was. Catholic too, which was kind of a problem Big for time. him getting a job huh. back in that day. He had to go to this small market town and then prove himself. Oh my hmm. God. Uh, a fascinating character anyway, but I'm getting off track a little bit in this whole, I, I would say that you said St. Vince though, that touches on something, the the overlap of sports and and uh, and religion or spirituality. Like there, are, it's really hard when you when you respect somebody and you like them uh, in mixed martial arts. I watched something recently where there was a guy who embodied all of the spiritual things that I love about martial arts, the humility, you know, and also just this guy's understated toughness and like he had respect for his opponent. He didn't talk a lot of shit. You remember who? To it. His name was uh, Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, I think was his name. He was a champion. He had the belt. I think there's two Forrest Whitakers. Okay, thank you. I think so. <laughs> Not the actor. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is an MMA Forrest Whitaker. Okay. Uh, Something Whitaker. I, God, why can't I remember his name? I, I love the guy anyway. Listeners, you're, Sorry. I, we know you're laughing. Sorry. MMA fans, we apologize. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Whitaker. But Israel Adesanya was his, <laughs> was his uh, the challenger, and they couldn't have been. It was oil and water. They couldn't have been more different. He was super flamboyant, talking all kinds of shit, had a dance routine on his walkout, and all of this oh, kind of stuff. Oh, a dance routine. Yeah. yeah. Which... You know, so you have like the monk, essentially, mm -hmm. who's just all about the business that he needs to tend to. Robert Whitaker. Robert. What New Zealand. It's not Forrest. Australian, New Zealand mixed martial artist. 
Sorry, Robert. Thanks, Google. Love you, Robert. That, looked, I like Forrest too. But anyway, the, <laughs> the, the, the thing that was hard to resolve was he got his ass kicked. Robert Whitaker got his ass kicked oh, by this guy. Oh, no. Not so, even a good fight? Not so much. No. Not as much as certainly as I would have liked to have seen. And that is That's where sports will break your heart. Yeah. In a way that religion won't. When a saint or when a, when a holy person dies in the arena... The Romans feed them to the lions. They become a martyr and a saint. And they're elevated. True. When Robert Whitaker gets his ass kicked in the octagon, he's just not champion anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, and you're not rewarded necessarily for your character. That's always been my problem with sports. I hate, I mean, I, I like watching big games like Super Bowl games, but it breaks my heart for the people that work just as hard. Mm. And they just don't get it on that particular day. It just, it's its so unfair. I hate it. I love that part of it. <laughs> uh, I just made a note here, sports replacing religion. I think you just stumbled on a huge topic, a breakthrough. Uh, for all of our talk about religion, all of the stuff that that tries to upload into you of how to live and how to deal and how oh on and on this comprehensive view of your life uh i take almost all that stuff from sports everything is like everything is sports everything has a analogy metaphor to sports every day every work day every family day every victory every failure every everything has a can be contextualized at least i can do it what are your favorite with like, sports i like leave it out on the field yeah leave it all on the field that's my, one of my favorites well this isn't necessarily a, a sports cliche kind of thing but uh unsportsmanlike conduct you know mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good phrase that you could apply to an argument you're having with say your spouse that's unsportsmanlike throw a flag yeah <laughs> would it be nice to be able to throw flags like yeah, okay that's penalty marker personal. down yeah flag mm-hmm. penalty you're penalized for that one we're going to walk this argument back five yards. Yep. And we're going to yeah. mm-hmm. start back before this got unreasonable. <laughs> and I if, just take out like take out Packers or Brewers or whatever. And I'm saying stuff like this to my kids every single day that like, yeah, sometimes you just lose you no matter how prepared you were. And that's hard, man. And. Welcome to the jungle. I say welcome to the jungle like 10 times a day to my kids. Like when I have to go to school today and then I have to go to work. Oh. Like, welcome to the jungle. You said preparation. John Wooden, the wizard of West- Westwood. Of Westwood. He was, talk about a spiritual character yeah. in the game of hoops. You know, all sorts of sayings are attributed to him like failure to prepare mm. is preparation to fail. Oh, oh, really he's really like good. basketball Yoda. <laughs> Do you have more? Oh, That's wait. Really well, I was good. I had a St. Vince one a minute ago. And these are things, and this is cliche. Uh, one person could look at these things. Failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Yeah, right. words like that. Uh, Vince Lombardi said something like, uh, "There is no perfection." but it is in the pursuit of perfection that we find excellence. And I, I have goosebumps right now. I think about that shit all the time. I think about it before a gig. I think about it while we're jamming. Can you say I, it again? Okay. 
<clears throat> there is no perfection, but it is in the pursuit of perfection that we find excellence. Mm. And there, there's probably more to that, but I, I must say that to myself every day. I, I say that to myself all the time or, or some version of that when something doesn't go perfect. But I know that I've, I'm doing my best here. And if I forget to check a box or if I hit a wrong note or whatever, it was in the pursuit of being awesome. And if I came up a little bit short, it was close. And what a contrast between... Forgive yourself. This is religious stuff. Religion where you do have to be perfect. Like... Or you'll burn. Or you'll burn. Like to the point where you're interjecting, please forgive me, Lord, I've sinned. In your trying to correct your own thoughts to the point of trying to be perfect, and that's a much gentler way. Out of fear, a (laughs) fear-driven model. Yeah. Well, it's weird how, uh, like, religion on one hand says, "Look, you're a born sinner," so (laughs) not just just. I know that's a Catholic thing. I don't know about the others. Original sin. All right. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah. From our perspective, yeah. Give me a break. On one hand, they're saying... Sorry to the Catholics. You're not going to be... I'm not sorry. <laughs> you're not, you, you, you can never be perfect. Jesus gave us this example, though, that we should strive towards. And, um, yeah, so I don't know that they necessarily said or the message was you can achieve, you know, you can live as Jesus did or you can... You can Mm-hmm. You could possibly hope to be godlike in your life. That would be arrogant. But he fucked up all the time. Did Jesus fuck up? Yeah. How? Well, and that's a central theme. And when did Jesus fuck? He up? got pissed at some like temple oh, and knocked true. over all the tables and was the like, money "Fuck all y'all!" He lost his temper. He yeah. lost his temper. I don't think. I think he was probably fooling around quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, they don't talk about it, but I think he probably was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's. I think he he he's imperfect. He was imperfect. If a guy can walk on water, imagine what he could do in the sack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Never actually thought about that. That uh, the pursuit. There is no perfection, and the pursuit of it brings excellence. That's that's part of your like Catholic upbringing. Is like you are trying to. You're you're imperfect, and you will fail. <sighs> but. You are trying, the, the idea is you are trying to emulate Jesus. To They didn't have what would Jesus do bracelets back then, but. Yeah, I think do. part of the problem was. It is what the was pursuit being, of perfection, what, finding excellence. What was being defined as sin, though? Mm. That's the problem. Like sexuality, mm. totally having to suppress it mm-hmm. versus like, well, no. You more, guys don't? Uh, 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 no, but I mean, but I thought we were all this podcast page. is over. <laughs> but we were talking about like excellence as it relates to sexual well-being or mm. or health in a modern context mm. doesn't mean totally suppressing your boner. Shut it down. But it doesn't also mean watching porn all the time. <laughs> Are you sure? Well, I mean, you know, but. Uh, there, it's a little more nuanced than the picture that we were presented. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna read you guys true. something from one of my favorite movies. It's kind of off topic, but that's okay. Tell me if you can. Who? All right, ring a buzzer. Whoever can recognize the movie first, 
No, I think you guys will get it within four words. Four words, I'm going to guess. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Hmm. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. Hoosiers? If we played them 10 times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. It's not Hoosiers? No, it's the hockey one. It's the hockey one. Miracle. Yes. That's Kurt Russell? Best speech ever. (laughs) Yes. Goosebumps. Not tonight. A sucker for that stuff. Oh, it's so good. Whoever well, and that's the one. sermon. That's the sermon moment yeah. in sports where the head coach has his congregation before the moment and he's like, look, this is what you need to remember. Mm-hmm. Everybody be grounded. Oh. Play for each other. You know, all of these things that, the, you know. Play fearless. So never having been in the men's locker room, did you ever have coaches that were just really, really good at that? Like really good at speeches? I saw some bad ones that were funny. <laughs> really? One guy tried to get really intense by knocking a chair over. Oh. But he didn't like fully. Broke his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Pants fell down. <laughs> he didn't commit. So he just kind of like tipped it over. <laughs> and yeah, another guy within the same program tried to fire people up by saying, you got to be like, imagine that these guys like raped your sister. <laughs> and then everybody's like, whoa, 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 dude. Whoa. And then he was like, oh, coach, okay. maybe that was not the best example. Okay. Coach Jablonski, uh, it's a little no. dark. You know, some of the best leaders that I had, though, didn't say too much. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to. It was more their demeanor and the intensity that they exuded that we had to meet i um i don't know that i had any great uh i had a lot of coaches i really liked i don't know if any of them were really good orators or had any real inspirational message for me i can't really think of one that that really like brought out the monster or you know what's your best coach moment oh well i don't really know uh, well, I have, I have one. I think I got one. Uh, you go first. Right, Mr. Niederhauser, Coach Just, Niederhauser. Come on, Niederhauser? Uh, he was the football Dick coach. Dickowitz. Dickowitz uh, Niederhauser? He was also the track coach. Okay. Uh, good dudes, real, real even keel, which was good for me because I'm kind of a super ball. And uh, in, in triumph, uh, Coach Niederhauser was, was a great, supporter and a great uh like every the monday uh, the day after every meet uh before practice started we always had accolades what sport was this track oh track okay got it always had accolades he'd he'd go down all the times and all the distances of everything and it all the personal bests you know uh or if we just won or just whatever whatever anybody did lots of accolades he was always about the positive and uh and then another great moment I had with him was uh, I got caught drinking at lunch when I was a Oof. senior. And I was pretty, uh, I'll have to bring my letter jacket in one of these times so you can see all the hardware that I've got on it <laughs> from track. It's heavy, isn't it? And I, yeah. Can and you I was, trophies too? By the time I was a senior, <laughs> I was pretty studly at uh, the high jump and uh, whatever, various events. I got in trouble. Uh, I drank at lunch. And... 
you know, imagine that I didn't keep a great poker face and I got caught like immediately. Schnapps? Was it Schnapps? Said, no, it was uh, whiskey of some sort. Ooh. Either a wow. Jim Beam or a Southern Comfort in the Hardee's Coke, like right oh. on the top. And um, when the shit came down on that, which is like in school suspension for some X number of days. And also I uh, couldn't be on National Honor Society and uh, I lost X number of track meets off oh. the beginning of my season. Yeah. And he was very like, uh, he, you know, I was expecting to like get yelled at and he didn't. Huh. And he just like put his hand on my back and was just like, Dano. Empathy. Empathy. In a, in a, in a, in a world of Catholic fire yeah. and brimstone where you to borrow from uh, Reverend Lovejoy. You will eat not but burning hot coal and drink not but burning hot cola. <laughs> Empathy in a time like that where I was in all this trouble. I broke the rules. It was humiliating. The easiest thing to do would have been like you, jackass. Just heap on the discipline because that's right. And he standard line there. Not a second. Not a second of that. It that was just is like interesting. Just like a man, you really, you really blew it. That is really too bad. Because you're gonna miss this meet, this meet, and this meet, and those ones you really had a, you really could have done some things and blah blah. So he was kind of like laying it on, but he was doing it in a very gentle, positive, uh, turning these lemons into lemonade kind of way. Yeah, like a, like a good coach does. This isn't the end of your life. We learn still from got this. Wow. Build on this. And he don't let this define all this kind of stuff. You know. He probably knew that you might not hear that from anyone else. He maybe he did. You know, sure. That's that's the nice balance that a coach can make. You know, Mm -hmm. the parents can take the hard line and then, you know, you know, the coach can say, well, you know, you're all right or vice versa. You know, the coach can be a hard ass and the parents can be like, you're better than that. That was weirdly one of my best coach moments, too. I was in gymnastics for a decade for six days a week. And is that all? And, Six uh, days a week, Adams. Uh, I was serious. It's like your mom in church. Could you commit? Yeah. Jesus. And um, there was a coach that um, I didn't particularly like, actually, but I was having trouble. Coach who? Larry. Okay. I don't remember his last name. All the coaches' first names. Terry. Larry. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> and Barry. <laughs> and Jane. And Paul, who liked to drink vodka and orange juice in the morning. Sure. And Russ. Mm-hmm. That's a coach. Lots of male coaches for girls' gymnastics. Hmm. So anyway, Larry. Yeah. The moment. That might be a different topic. But um, I was having trouble. I Fear was overtaking me. I wasn't. You know, who's that guy? Horace Grant with the yips when he's golfing. Oh, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. Thank you. Not Horace Grant. Horace Grant was on the same team, though, right? No, Chicago Bulls. He yeah, was... Charles Barkley. Wasn't he on the Bulls a long no. time ago? No, Sixers is, and Suns. This is Adams, Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't follow basketball. And Rockets at the end of his yeah. career. Come on. Charles man. Barkley. He's yeah. got the yips. And yep. like once he has them, really? you can't. I know. Yeah, his swing's all fucked up because he's in his head when he's. Yeah. Oh, he's in his head. Okay. He's like swinging. Yeah. Guy can't throw to first. Uh, the guy. He can't do it. The, yeah. 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 I get the yips. Okay. Totally. That was me. I okay. couldn't do the skills really? I knew how to do. I knew them. How to, my Under bo- the bright one, like at the meet. No, in practice. Oh, geez. It was like 
some, some, something happened. I couldn't do the things I knew how to do. And so I was in the locker room feeling sorry for myself, sitting down on the floor. And he comes in to the ladies' locker room and sits down next to me and was just like, this is hard. And pretty much that was it. Like, that was the speech. And it was just one of those moments. I didn't particularly like him, but it was one of those moments where you felt like, I'm not alone. I'm going through something. I can't control my performance. And I feel like a good coach can get in there and be like, well, this sucks, but at least you're not alone going through it. And you'll get over it. I mean, some something will shift. Something will change. This is a hard day or this is a hard week or month or whatever it is. Just to have that yeah, coach isn't a, a coach isn't a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Like they can't necessarily fix no. whatever the psychological hang-up is between you knowing what to do and executing it. Mm-mm. Like, yeah, that's that's a lot to ask. Was there more to that before? No, yeah. I was just thinking of the empathy. Like the, the one moment you remembered is when the coach was not like inspiring you to like no, is that my get voice? out on the field. It was like something something hard happened mm-hmm. and just to have someone all of our experiences are pretty lined up what's that yours that, that one more thing that coach telling you that this is hard and stuff um i wasn't there but uh, also the the notion of you're you're doing something you're having a hard time because you're out doing something. There's lots of your friends are, aren't doing this. A lot of your, your friends are home watching TV and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, there's, no, there's no shame in it's like having Jordan the yips or whatever because you're tracks. out here in the arena trying it. Mm-hmm. So you, no shame, man. Head up. Mm-hmm. Respect. Head up, Nath. It was an expression of respect a little bit to, to be by your side and say, hey, like this is hard, but... I support you because you're trying kind yeah. of a, maybe an under unstated sort of. Yeah. And it was also an acknowledgement of like somehow your mental game factors in, in ways you can't understand and control. And it was sort of an acknowledgement of that. Like you have the physical skills. There's this other thing. It's the mental game. And it's kind of shitty sometimes because you can't, and you can't so always turn it around. They're so ill-equipped to really address it. Like I said, you know, no. they don't have degrees. They might be now, though. I wonder if they get like... They're sports psychologists now. Yeah. That's a thing. and That's been th- a thing for a while. But like that shit didn't exist when we were kids or whatever. No. Was... Did you have a coach story? Yes. Uh, my high school football coach was named... How's this for a head football coach name? Clint Goodchild. Is that the guy you dressed up as for Halloween sometimes? Uh, he used the inspiration for it. The, the super short shorts? The shorts. He had some short shorts. <laughs> the, the bike shorts. Yeah. Not bicycle shorts, but bike. Yeah, they were like a, almost a polyester. Yes. snaps. With a couple Yeesh. of snaps. Tight shirt with a collar and his just muscles bulging through all of it. Yikes. And then a clipboard stuck in the back of his pants. <laughs> I hope he had a whistle around his neck. Oh, whistle like around that. his neck. The, the, the whole the thing. And that's the uniform that he wears <laughs> even into the winter months or the cold months. It's just his chest hair and his body hair keep him warm. Otherwise, and he had the great a great handlebar mustache. And he was just 150% man. 
this guy, you know, such, such a man. And, and that was what I was alluding to earlier, like not big on speeches, but it was understood. You'd better bust your fucking ass mm. every day, every minute, block to the whistle, to the whistle. Mm. Uh, so, and, and you better train and you'd better come into the season in shape. Oh, did they do practice before season? That was the thing. My brother was a senior when I was a freshman and he, I just joined his training regiment, yeah. his training camp. The older generation modeled like, mm. dude, you'd <laughs> yeah. better start getting in First shape. First day or of run- summer vacation. <laughs> we start today. Yeah. Get yeah. in the weight room. Get in the weight room. Yeah. Start running because you are going to fucking die <laughs> if you don't or yeah. if you come in out of shape. So, yeah, that was kind of the <laughs> level of intensity, and I was so scared. Uh, but it was it, 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 w- it became a very empowering thing to just, like, endure it then and, and pass through it and, and earn his respect. That was the ultimate. But long, I'm trying going to try and make a long story short here in that uh, my sophomore year, my parents were getting a divorce. Uh, shit was hitting the fan at home. And I was, I had developed pretty crippling anxiety and I didn't even know what it was. And I was homebound and I wasn't making it to practice for the first couple days of practice. And I was just barely making it to school, but I was having panic attacks in school and it was just, I was a mess. And it was a small town, so he probably kind of knew what was up. Uh, And... He just showed up at our house really? after oh after practice one day. Wow. And my mom came up to where I was cowering in my room, freaking out and saying, um, Coach Goodchild's here. I was like, I was like, it was like that scene in uh, The Aviator a little bit, you know, when, when... I've seen that. When Howard Hughes has to pull himself together oh, from the yeah. movie room where he's collecting his own pee mm-hmm. and testify in front of Congress. <laughs> mm. I had to really it was like just like that. Pretty much, I didn't have the crazy nails yet, <laughs> exactly. Like but that. I did have a lot of jars of pee in the room. No, I didn't. <laughs> but I pulled myself together and I went down to face him, and he was just, you know, his demeanor. It had totally changed from the hard ass coach to, I'm worried about you. Oh, wow, and, beautiful. And I want you to know that your teammates need oh. you. And and there's a place for you. Oh my God. God! You never needed something so bad. Oh my yeah, God! Yeah, the timing of it was as that was was powerful. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of. I'm like almost uh, crying over yeah. here. That's amazing. That's marvelous. Oh, so that's I I got back into the action, and it was horrible in some ways but in other ways i'm sure it definitely carried me through that period because you have the camaraderie you know and you have the things to celebrate when you win and Jeez. you know yeah so, wow so coach goodchild i think i've told him here's to you, you know, coach yeah. wow what a and just what a the, man move and the yeah. thought of they coaches are usually teachers right, right. yeah he was totally. like they're there all the time to be to look up your address, be like, yeah, I'm gonna go spend an extra hour at the end of my day or whenever. Like, I can't even fathom. That is a that's breathtaking. It beautiful. Is. That's a beautiful thing that guy did. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Goes on the gratitude list. Yeah. Um, That's like a lifetime gratitude list thing there. This just keeps going. Um, the use, uh, That was like a religious, almost act of selflessness. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What, sure. what, where, was the, where was your clergy person at that time? Eating dinner at somebody's house. <laughs> Ooh. Tacos at the Johnson's. <laughs> What's for dessert? I'll be there at 630. <laughs> oh. Nightcap at the Swanson's. Don't mind if I do. Sit on my lap, too. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> all of this stuff. This is um, like that, th- that right there. That story that just happened when Coach Goodchild came over. You've got kids that are 15, 16, and... 16 and 12. 12. You've channeled Coach Goodchild how many times? In that same way when you felt... Mm, that they needed a little something, you know, yeah, circumstances I mean, being different or whatever. But you've channeled that when you've seen that in your own kids, your own players. You've noticed when they're not right, when they're when they're not something's missing, right? And when you have to go have that, have a talk like that with them, and not to try to fix everything, and not to try to, but to that, yeah. You've got teammates here that that love you. And they, you, you are needed here. I, who hasn't? You got to do that stuff. You got to know when but, to do that. I stuff. mean, that's a, that was another dimension to this guy that he didn't ordinarily show. And it's good to have. Which was your? That is the point. Yes. Yeah. Of examples yes. of of men who, even back in that time and in that place, could show some sensitivity and you know, show a fa- this fatherly level of concern as much as I love my dad. Like, he just kind of wasn't that capable of at the time. And a lot of those guys didn't have access to that sort of And the other half, too, resource. is he's not going to take it easy on you at practice. Oh, God, no. You know what I mean? It's not going to mm. be like, oh, come on, Andy. No, You no. can do yeah, it. You only have to do five laps. No. If everybody else do ten. Tough love. Yeah, no, no, no. Tough love all mm-hmm. the way there. Mm-hmm. But, but that moment... You know, just just a whole change in his demeanor to show me that, all right, I've got to be this guy when we're on the football field, but I'm also. Oh, so also paralleling like, hey, you're having some pretty intense emotions right now. It's okay. You can have your feelings and be a badass when you play. Like you could see the different levels of a little bit. Just just the fact that, you know, it was eye opening to me that that. A man could be multidimensional yeah. in, a, in a way, yes. you know, that he was breaking character mm. for a moment wow. there in a way that I hadn't really seen a guy do before. And it's sort of like the, around that time, I've tried to write about this before, where we uh, you had to listen to ACDC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything else was for pussies. Oh. You know, okay. it was just like, if it didn't rock, it didn't register. It had to be rock. And I heard one guy say Stairway to Heaven wasn't a great song because oh, it, it was so soft. The ballady right? parts, Dude, you know, I... just soft. And then it only it started to rock, but then it didn't rock long enough and fuck it, you know. This is the kind of... It didn't rock. Isn't it like 14 minutes long or something? Yeah. didn't rock long enough? <laughs> just the idea, though, that's a multidimensional song is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. You know, mm. And like, we couldn't wrap our head around that. It had to be balls out all and the time, you, you know manly manly you know suppress everything else that sounds 
really unhealthy. I suppose it was. Thank God for that coach. mentioned a, a while back, a while back uh, kind of like your, uh, oh, who was the coach of the Olympic hockey team? Mark Johnson? Is that his name? In Kurt real Russell. Life? We're talking Kurt Russell. Russell. Coach Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was Mark Johnson. Wisconsin. I could look it He's up a Wisconsin. for you, but I he don't know. He was like the Badger coach. Um, no idea. And you said you love to watch the Super Bowl. And Herb Brooks. Oh, Herb Brooks. Her, he was not Wisconsin, but there were Wisconsin players on the A team. lot of Wisconsin ties there. Um, you enjoy watching the Super Bowl and stuff like that, but it's so heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And I almost can't watch sometimes. Uh, do you ever watch uh, the Bra- Holy Mother Bracket, March Madness? Mm, what? College basketball. Col- the tournament. College yeah. basketball tournament. say Holy what? Holy Mother Bracket. Talk about a religious overtones. Is this what right. we call college basketball? Well, it's the tournament. Holy and My mother? devotion to it isn't what it used to be, but... Uh, Is that really the name? No, no that's, that's what I call it. Oh, okay. All right. It's called March Madness. They've branded it now. They don't even call it the NCAA tournament. They call it March, March Madness. March Madness? It's been trademarked. Yes, I, and I don't like it. I don't like that. I've heard of it. I liked Madness. when that was the, the slang term for it, not the official name of it. So Okay. I'm a little bit of a product of the modern age because... I have some trouble watching the first half. They're halves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because really, I want to see the second half. Okay. It's fine. If I knew more about the players and what was going on with the dynamics of the teams, I'd probably watch the first half, like if I was really into it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's all about the second half. Mm -hmm. I like to see where the momentum goes. I think you can look like you're winning in the first half and then no, absolutely not. Um, so what was your question? Yeah, I like watching. Well, I like watching athletes. My point was going to be, I've watched sports for so long that my relationship to it has changed where like a couple, a couple of different things. Like I more than anything, like I just root for the greatest game I've ever seen. Even if my team loses, Ah, I just want to see like the greatest game ever played. Like Federer and Nadal playing tennis. I don't know if you guys watch. Now you're out of that. You're out of my league there. I know the names. I mean, it's just the two guys that have dominated for my whole life. Yeah. Those guys are past their prime. Yeah. Well, but still playing, right? Like Federer, Nadal. Federer has pushed past any reasonable expectation i think he's almost 40 i want to say okay but uh i'm not sure how old nadal is he's had a like injury whatever they're the best they're the best (laughs) yeah at what they do what about march madness well one of the greatest parts of march madness is when you lose Okay. It's the it is getting there. So there's you have your the big boys Duke and North Carolina and like Wisconsin's been there a lot and stuff like that. But then you have the little guys that that uh, play in these conferences where only the champion gets in. Okay. And then they just get fed to Duke on the first day or whatever. But their euphoria just to be there. Just to be there. They get they're going to be on TV. Yeah. They're going to play against Duke. They know they're going to get beat by forty. 
if they're lucky. Um, but and every but not just those games, the really well matched games, the good games that end at the buzzer or in overtime or whatever. So I was just hearing, uh, must have been Bill Simmons and Mallory talking mm-hmm. about the heartbreak of mm-hmm. what which is worse failing miserably mm. in like a championship game on a national stage or international stage or not getting there at all to the championship was well i the think they were talking framework? about that heartbreaking picture both yeah collapse they, they yeah. both certainly suck i mean which is worse though i don't i think getting there at least uh, you have the the knowledge that you know uh, you gave yourself a chance. You, there, there's there's an achievement. There's a level of achievement in just playing for a championship. You have a you have arrived at the final. Yeah, it's the, definitely the final better game. to lose in the championship. I don't know. I feel like playing your worst on the one on the big day. Stage, it would be a terrible thing to have to reconcile, but it's yeah. not great to say I never made it to the championship either. I mean, that's not a proud thing maybe it's easier to resolve than having specific memories of fucking up over and over that's what i mean you play that like the next day you can always go out to breakfast like two days later and people are just looking at you (laughs) they never get over it yeah the fans and i mean on the national stage yeah it stays fresh it might be better not to go at all i was in a musical i disagree i (laughs) that's that's the way i see it though (laughs) i'm not sure I was in a musical once where there was a radio in the bet during March Madness. There was a radio uh, in the back and it was during that Kentucky Duke Get out of here. Game. The Kentucky Duke game. I was at a house party in the basement. <laughs> and honest to God, I was out. We were doing a scene and that moment happened and there was a like, oh my God, <laughs> kind of. You know, what they, was the moment for those of us who don't know? Christian Leitner. There was like a full court pass, two seconds left or something. In the game? In the game. Two seconds. And they were down by one. Duke was down by one, I think. And so they inbound on the other end of yeah. the court, right, from their basket. And this dude throws a huge full court pass. Leitner Grant Hill it. threw the pass. Grant Hill catches it. He, he jumps up. From the baseline. From around the free throw line. Fakes one way, turns around, you know, fall away jumper, falls oh. through the... Falls through the net as time expires. Oh my God! You know, yeah. To go to the final four. Wow. Legendary moment. So yeah, that was a funny. Like, oh, dude, you're breaking the third wall. We're trying to create some <laughs> dramatic magic here, but March Madness was more dramatic, and one <laughs> broke through the Oz or whatever we were living in out there. So the whole reason I brought that up, the whole reason I brought up March Madness, was on your point of. You just feel so darn bad for him. Yeah. But I that I find that uh, the older I get, I mean, of course, I'm still into the games and stuff. But and I get better at like when my team loses. I'm getting I'm getting I'm a lot I'm much better now than I used to be. I used to be so bitter, and now I'm getting over that. But that that human element of worked so damn hard to get there mm-hmm. and. The ones that go to the blue blood schools like Kentucky and Duke, they go there because they know they're going to get there to the to March Madness every single year. That's part of the. But for the kids that aren't those kids and go to the smaller schools, 
and they might they might get there once in their four year college career, mm-hmm. and to get that far, and then have your heart cut out like that, mm-hmm. um, you get a lot of great coach moments out of that too. You get they show a lot of the in locker room stuff nowadays more than they used to. But even right on the sideline, you see people just fall apart, and you see their coach coaches go over to them and. But that's yeah, that's good some drama. of the most beautiful stuff you'll see in the whole tournament. That's good yeah. drama. Is the that side of it? I never got to play in the NCAA tournament, but I got to play in a conference tournament. That was big time. Oh uh, no, the Missouri Valley Conference. But just for me, like being able to, we traveled to St. Louis. I'd never been to Arch St. Madness. Louis before, and you know, I had this adventure where there was downtime. So I just walked by myself down to the arch because none of my teammates were interested in museums or history or anything <laughs> like that. So I was like, I'll go be a nerd by myself, guys. Anybody? No? Sure? Okay, fine. I got another wristband here if anybody wants it. <laughs> but no, I had like the greatest, the greatest experience, you know, having this being, you know, uh, in a new city and exploring a new city and then going into an arena and, you know, the the bands are playing, you know, around the court and it's electric. And even if you lose, like you've been part of something that was exciting as hell. Big time. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just it was fun. Hmm. The possibility. Just just participate. We've all got some a chance. Level. Tonight we have a chance. Mm hmm. Just being there, you know, being being a part of it. Like even the guys on the bench or whatever are like, this is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> you know, just the atmosphere in there. Okay. Being, being you guys are selling me. Yeah. Selling me on it for sure. But I was also a nervous wreck, you know. Can and you play that well when you're on that big of a stage or is how much are nerves a factor? For me personally? Or anyone. I mean, knowing you have a history of like anxiety but right so in was, general was, was everyone kind of, just like <laughs> no some people were definitely more confident mm-hmm. and that's what carries you through i think or or the guys that i saw who who handled it well they just had this belief in themselves and their abilities and and that huh. ability to just kind of they talk they call it a short memory okay. in sports you know like i don't remember the shot that i just missed the last time oh, i was down right. here yeah i'm open again and i'm gonna shoot or I'm going to make something happen because I'm a good scorer. Yeah. It doesn't matter that I miss. Short memory. Uh, no, but I, I I didn't have that. <laughs> and I was, yeah, I was nervous all the time. So eventually I figured out, like, maybe you don't have the best temperament for this. You, you have the body, but not the nervous system. <laughs> uh, get, got into arts and crafts, uh, you know, <laughs> which uh, suit me a little better than... I was just talking to my son about this today. He plays flag football and he was playing and he, he was, uh, they lost by like over 20 points and dude. zero his score. Oh, zero. dude. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. I mean, you win How do you some, take it? you lose some. How do you he, take- well, I could see him getting frustrated. And the reason why he was getting frustrated is because there was a guy covering him that was really, really good. So he could not get his hands on the ball. Even when it was thrown right to him, this guy would come out of nowhere and just like, bing, <laughs> you know, got it, <laughs> running in for a touchdown. And he just couldn't get it. And so um, I talked to him after the game. I'm like, you look pretty frustrated out there. Uh, some people 
when they get frustrated in a game, it feeds, it's like gasoline and they just, it feeds their focus and they play better. Some people, when they get frustrated, they live in the past and they live in the play that just happened and they can't be in the current play. Coach mom. All right. Well, I need to give him some context for like what he's feeling out there so he can choose because he might be one of those guys where it's fuel. I don't know. Self-awareness. Self-awareness definitely is a critical component to to gaining composure. Like that's the thing that you Mm -hmm. see in the successful athletes. Like I saw my son, uh, the last game of the season, he was playing against this Verona team. And there was this kid out there that, you know, composure is something that just, you can see it in body language. Mm -hmm. You can see it in the way that they're not rushed in a way and, and making things seem sort of effortless. Yeah. That other kids you know, just mm-hmm. struggle with and being decisive. It's not always flashier, great move. It's just, I have it. That guy's open. Boom. On the money. It's going right to him. Mm-hmm. And that kind of self-assuredness and composure, I don't know how much of that is just a genetic sort of, you've got the skills and you also have the mental, you know, you have the ability to just focus when you're out there mm-hmm. and stay within yourself. That's one thing they say too, you know, just not, not get pulled out of what you need to do, but just always just sort of know. But as an observer, you can identify it when it's there. You can see like that athlete right there. Mm. Well, He's that got was, it. That was Jordan all over. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, you couldn't count it on one hand the times that you ever saw him lose his composure. You always had this sense. You always felt like, they might be behind, but he's going to come back mm-hmm. and do something to, to win the game for them. It's going to, whatever needs to be done, he'll do it. Look at how confident he is. Mm-hmm. Look at the way he's walking back to the, to the huddle. Look at the way he's striding out now, you know, just you could tell. Mm-hmm. And that was, I envied that so much. <laughs> I bet. Like, oh God. Oh my like, God. And, and that's part of the marketing thing too. You know, like want to be like Mike, buy these shoes. Well, yeah. Shit, I've got the shoes. I'm still freaking out. <laughs> Got the wrong shoes. They spot me while I play. I supply enthusiasm aimed at your end. Different scan the floor for one tap and do a bobbin hand. Any signal coming back on the same map for Rick frequency wavelength. How's reception connection? Don't flip the dial. This your performance is commercial free. It's commercial free. Less is more, more is what I'm doing.